Hello and welcome to episode 48 of The Witcher chapter by chapter book review where I'll go through a summary of the latest chapter and give my detailed thoughts on it. Today I'm discussing chapter 2 from The Lady of the Lake. Well, I'm just gonna dive in. Got a kind of long chapter, kind of uh, complicated things to discuss, kind of. It's not too bad, but... It might require a little bit extra time. I'm not totally sure how that is looking right now, but just in case, let's just jump right into it. So I'll give you the recap followed by the summary, and then we're just going to go through the discussion of the things that took place within chapter two. But the recap, I'm just going to tell you about what happened with Geralt the last time we saw him and what happened with Yennefer last time we saw her because... Those are two characters that we get updates on. We get updates on a couple of other characters, but none that are as big in the story as those two. And then a, a couple of the other characters that we follow in this chapter are new. So we can't really recap them. Kind of, actually. Well, you'll, you'll understand that in a second. Uh, okay. For the recap, when we last saw Geralt... He arrived in Toussaint where he met Avalok, rescued his friends from Nightingale and Shearer's men, and declared he was a witcher no longer. Last we saw Yennefer, she was captured and tortured by Vilgefortz to try and force her to reveal Ciri's location. Alright, summary of chapter 2. We meet the characters... Con... I'm going to hurt myself trying to say this name. Uh, I'm just going to say it the way I think it's meant to be said. And I do that a lot with the pronunciations. I know, I'm sure you've heard me talk about how I'm so unsure about how so many of these names are meant to be pronounced. This one is one of the worst. Conwirimers, I think that's what we're going to go with in this series. <laughs> we meet the characters Conwirimers and Nimue around 150 years in the future from our main story. Conwerimers is an Oniromancer, one who could see the past or future through their dreams. Nimue is known as the Lady of the Lake and is a sorceress who is obsessed with the legend of Ciri. Nimue has taken on Conwerimers as her novice to help her fill in the gaps that were never entirely or truthfully explained about the legend of Ciri. Her duties as an Oniromancer are to dream of moments that took place within the legend. She dreams of Emperor Amir meeting with the false Ciri. She also dreams of Geralt and Toussaint going back to Tirnabea Arain with Regis and also having a romantic affair with Frangilla Vigo. Additionally, she dreams of Yennefer as Vilgefortz's prisoner while he has Leo Bonehart and Stefan Skellen present as guests, and he tells her that Ciri and Geralt have died. And there is a little more to the those things that I just mentioned in the dreams, and we are going to talk about those details, obviously, but I did leave that purposely kind of vague. All right, well... Let's kick off the discussion by establishing who Conwermers Tilly and Nimue are and the setting, since this is all brand new in this chapter, kind of. Well, we begin with Conwermers' arrival at Nimue's home. Nimue lives in a tower on an island called Innis Vitre, 
on Loch Blessed, which is known to be almost legendary and very few have ever set foot there. So Conwermers is taken through the lake on a boat rowed by a man known as the Fisher King. And this man is also Nimue's casual lover. There isn't really much else that we learn about him at the moment. He's very quiet. But Conwermers arrives and she observes Nimue's appearance, which is described as dainty and short. She had actually been nicknamed Squirt as a child. This is not the first time that we've heard her referred to by this nickname because this isn't the first time we're meeting Nimue. Back at the end of Baptism of Fire, two books back, there was this old traveler called Pogwizd. That's, I don't know, that's how it's spelled. It might, there might be a different pronunciation. That pronunciation doesn't bother me as much as Confirmers, but um, yeah, that's just how I'm going to say his name. He's, I don't think he's brought up again after this chapter. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. But this guy, he's an old traveling beggar and he's visiting a village he frequented uh, and he goes there and he tells the kids of the village the story about Geralt, Yennefer, and Ciri. So in that part of the chapter in Baptism of Fire, he asked the kids who they wanted to hear about next, and Nimue was there and she requested to hear about Yennefer because she wanted to be a sorceress when she grew up. She was inspired by the sorceresses in this, in this story. And it turns out that she did, that she did exactly that. So this beggar, his um, storytelling really left a big impression on Nimue, and not just becoming a sorceress, but it left her with an obsession with Ciri. But we'll come back to her obsession in a little bit. Nimue and Conwormers go inside the tower and talk for a little bit about what parts of the tower that Conwormers has access to. They talk about her own neuromancy talents and why she was the one chosen to be taken on as Nimue's novice. One of the reasons was because she doesn't use narcotics or hallucinogens to divine, which Nimue says she doesn't tolerate. And Con Wormer says uh, the only thing that she needs to perform her um, neuromancy is a hook or something related to what she needs to dream about, like an item or a picture. Well, Nimue says that that's definitely not going to be a problem, and she shows Con Wormers to a room that's filled with pictures of characters like Geralt, Yennefer, Dandelion, and other sorceresses and other characters that are involved in the story. So Conwermers is able to quickly identify who is who in each of the paintings, demonstrating her familiarity with the legend, which is the other reason why Nimue chose her. So then Nimue goes on to explain that there are no pictures of Ciri because none have survived that long, and any of the paintings containing Ciri in this room were painted from the artist's imagination. Well, this prompts Conwermers to ask who was in a couple of the pictures that she thought was Siri. One of them, Nimue points out, is Pavetta, Siri's mother, as we know, and the other one is the false Siri, who was given to Amir by Vilgevortz's thugs. This then cuts to the scene where Amir meets with the false Siri, but I'm not going to go through that right now. I'm going to talk about this chapter a little bit out of order. Um, which so far I've been doing it in order, but up to this point, I'm going to continue going through Conwormers and Nimue's part of the chapter, and then I'll cover the scenes that took place within the main story, like where we follow Geralt, Yennefer, uh, the thing with Amir. So to continue on with Conwormers and Nimue, 
Conwormers tells Nimue that she loved the story about Ciri, but she eventually started to lose interest for personal reasons, but also because she thought that none of the heroes should die. And I'm really not liking the sound of that, but I won't theorize too much since it's vague. And yes, we've been given other little hints <laughs> related to this here and there. Hints that a sad ending is coming, but you know what? Until anything is confirmed, I'd rather just leave it be for now. Well, Conormers is about to explain her beef with how series story ends until Nimue points out that the ending that is known is not entirely certain. So Conormers is going to have to try and figure out the real ending through her dreams. And the only context we're provided with here about the ending of the story is when Conormers looks at a painting and the painting has a female silhouette on a barge plied by a pole on a mist-covered lake. It's pretty vague, so we're just gonna leave that alone for now. Well, after Conwormer's dream about Amir and the false Siri, she and Nimue discuss it and she tells the sorceress about a couple of other dreams that she had that night. So one was an unclear dream about a young man wandering through desolate fields with a bundle over his shoulder and it's early spring. Another was of a battle known as the Battle of Brenna, which is mentioned a couple of times in this chapter, but we aren't really given any details. Uh, perhaps it was a battle between Nilfgaard and one of the Northern Kingdoms. And I'm just, I'm coming up with this idea because of what we hear in this chapter. Maybe it was with Redania or Nilfgaard against Redania, since she said someone in the dream, in the battle dream, was yelling eagles. And that's the Redanian coat of arms. Plus, Dijkstra secured military aid from Kovir to defend the country from Nilfgaard. But we'll have to see if that's explored more in a future chapter. Well, the days go by and Conwormers and Nimue continue to discuss her dreams and the purpose of her dreams. And Nimue reiterates that Conwormers' task is to find gaps in the story. One of the examples of a gap in the story that she uses is what Geralt did during the winter time when he was in Tucson. Because the story claims that he basically just chilled there and nothing of importance happened. But Nimue doesn't buy it. So Conwormer's dreams of what happened with Geralt, and this is where we get the scoop on Geralt's return to the caves with Regis. He goes with Regis this time, first time he went alone. And his love affair with Frangilla Vigo, so that's totally confirmed. He definitely had an affair with her. We just got little glimpses of it. It wasn't a 100% yeah, this happened thing until now. So we don't need to guess about that. It's for sure confirmed. So like the, with the dream of Amir and the false Siri, uh, we're going to come back to the stuff with Geralt and the cave and Fringilla. But I will say for now, Conwormers immediately goes to judge Geralt for having this affair while Yennefer was being held prisoner by Vilgefortz. And Nimue claps back telling her she doesn't know anything about it, so she should be quiet on her snap judgments. And I will also say that they don't know who the woman is that Geralt was involved with. They don't know it's Fringilla because there aren't any existing paintings depicting the sorceresses from the lodge accurately. Plus, Nimue specifically explains that there are no paintings of a seer of Aranahid, or she specifically says Fringilla Vigo, because Nilfgaard at some point destroyed all the paintings of mages. 
Well, at least the Nilfgaardian mages. But we do know that it's Fringilla because of her description. Well, there's one day where Conwormers tells Nimue about a dream that she keeps having of only images, but where she feels like a prisoner. And then Nimue brings her to a private chamber after she tells her this. And she shows her an image on a tapestry that depicts Vilgefortz's castle where Yennefer was held prisoner. So Nimue says, Conwormers was dreaming of the Tower of the Swallow where Ciri escaped from when she learned that what they wanted to do with her. So there's another little preview, a vague preview, but a preview nonetheless into what happened with Ciri after she went to the elf world. Don't really know much else, but we heard a little bit about it in chapter one. We're hearing a little bit more about it here. Can't wait to hear that story. But then she says that the legend of Ciri is in some versions known to have ended in this castle, but it's not known how Ciri fled from the Tower of the Swallow to arrive at this castle. So it's up to Conwormers to dream of the castle and try to find answers. Well, if this version of the story is to be believed, then we can expect Ciri to get to Vilgefortz's hideout. And I can't imagine that being a good thing. But it's like a lot of the other things that were mentioned and what I said about them, I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going to elaborate on any thoughts there. It's just, it seems like such a big deal. I'm just going to leave it alone for now. Well, anyway, this is where Conwormers had the dream about a day of Yen's confinement, which we'll shortly revisit. After she talks about the dream, though, with Nimue, they talk about different versions of the story, having conflicting details about which castle the legend's ending took place in, and they refer to it as the ending, the legend's ending, as well as the story's climax and the conclusive battle between good and evil. And again, I'm not going to elaborate on anything that isn't explained on prior to this chapter or in this chapter, but it just sounds pretty wild. So let's leave it at that. And then the chapter comes to a close with Conwormers dreaming of Geralt hunting a monster. He's in this dungeon and it seems like the monster's about to get him. It's pretty suspenseful. But then the chapter ends before we find out what his fate is. I'm not too worried about that though. This is his profession. He's done this plenty of times. He knows how to fight a monster. I'm sure that he's okay. If anything has happened to Geralt, I don't think that he's gonna be... I mean, witchers do get killed by monsters. They say that witchers don't die sleep in their beds, but I don't think Carol's going to go out this way. So, and we, they kept making us think that stuff happened to Yennefer and nothing ever happened. Well, bad stuff happened or she didn't die. They kept making us think that Yennefer died. She didn't. So I'm not going to even bother worrying about Geralt because they had us worried about Yennefer over and over again. We're not doing that again. No, especially with Geralt. He's fine. And that's not a spoiler. I'm just guessing. <laughs> but anyway, now that we've discussed everything that went on with Conwormers and Nimue, let's talk about the dreams that she had. I wanted to go in this order because the dreams are written from the perspective of someone who's there, like how when we are being told about the main story through the entire book series, it's written just like that. It's not necessarily told from the perspective of a dream reader. So I didn't want to bounce back and forth like the chapter does because the lack of a linear direction makes this chapter 
a little bit confusing and I think it might be easier to follow when you're reading it or I mean even if you're listening to it on audiobook but when it's in a discussion format like what I'm doing I think it could get kind of confusing so I figured that this would be the best way to organize it well the first dream that she has is of a mirror's meeting with the false Siri. so they're in darn Roman we've heard about that place before it's where he immediately sent her after she was brought to him and Amir walks up to Stella, the woman who's been training the fake Siri in like court etiquette. And the fake Siri herself is present as she's having her portrait painted. So Amir dismisses Stella and the painter so he could talk to fake Siri alone. But before Stella leaves, he basically confirms that they're about to resume aggressions against the North and it'll soon be, t be time to do away with fake Siri. He doesn't come right out and say that they're gonna have her killed, but it's pretty much implied that they're gonna have her killed. Which is why, to me, it's strange that he wants to talk with fake Siri at all. Like, if she's just gonna be killed soon, I don't know why he would wanna talk to her, but he does. And at first, the conversation is pretty simple. They're basically just making small talk, but then he asks her what her real name is. And she will only say that her name is Cirilla Fiona. And he gets actually kind of frustrated, but she explains that she doesn't want to say her real name. She likes going by Cirilla Fiona. She says this is because when she went by her original name, she was a nobody. And now she's somebody. She feels like she actually has meaning. Like this was a peasant girl before. And now she's being treated like a princess because she's supposed to be passed off as a princess. So when he asks her to make any request of him and he'll grant it no matter what, she requests to stay in Darn Rowan with Stella. Even though he's got plans to get rid of her, he says he's going to keep her word, or I'm sorry, he's going to keep his word and he's going to let her stay. So I don't know what he thinks he's doing or what he's going to do if he finds the real Siri, which she's super confident he's going to do. We know, on the other hand, we know that Siri is in another world. But he is very sure in this moment that he's about to have the real Siri in his hands because Vassier Dorito has assured the emperor that it's just a matter of days before they find Vilgefortz and then they find Siri because they believe Vilgefortz has Siri. So yeah, I don't know what his plans are, like his future plans if he's going to keep her around. That could get messy. I don't think he plans on bringing the real Siri if he thinks, when he thinks he's going to find her. I don't think he plans on bringing her to Darn Rowan because that's really far away from like his headquarters in Nilfgaard. But I still, like you, you can't have two series running around. It just wouldn't work. But I don't know, he doesn't tell us what his plans are. He just says that he'll keep his word. But the most interesting thing, the most interesting part of their conversation is the effect that she has on him. So he tells her that he had nothing to do with her abduction and he instantly regretted saying that. But then he admits that it was his fault and he asks her to forgive him for it. Asking for forgiveness is an extremely rare thing Amir does. He doesn't show humbleness. He doesn't show humanity very often. He puts on this emperor-like front all the time. And also allowing her to make any request is very out of character, but She's just got this effect on him and it won't allow him to maintain this formidable appearance. And he also can't even stand it when she looks at him directly. 
So maybe this will all be explored later, but for now we just know that the fall Siri should be, we should expect to see her stay alive and that Amir was affected by her in a way that nobody else really affects him. It's pretty interesting. Okay, the next dream that allows us to see back into the main story is of Geralt and Regis in the cave where Geralt met Avalok. So they searched the cave all day and they saw no sign of the creatures that were there before. And they saw no signs of Avalok, save the painting of the bison and the with the hunters on the wall. So it looks like they returned so Geralt could get answers on Ciri since if you recall, he barely got any information when he arrived there the first time. He needed to run, rescue his friends very suddenly. And I was quite frustrated, if you remember that episode. <laughs> I was really frustrated when that happened because this was the whole point of Geralt and the company traveling for as long as they did so they could find the druids, get info on how to find Ciri, and then nothing came of it. But I was hoping the information would still be available after he left the cave. Those hopes were crushed in this chapter. So they decide to use their invitation to go to Beauclair Castle and recharge since Milva had broken ribs from the walking tree that grabbed them and squeezed her too hard and Kahir's recovering from his head wound that he received in the slopes. And Regis, he's actually a bit reluctant to go to the castle because he's got to hide that he's a vampire from those not in the company who already know about it. But he ultimately agrees. He's on board. They all decide they're going to go. And although we don't know a big chunk of what takes place while they're staying in the castle, we know from Conwermers and Nimue that the company stayed there for the winter. So they get there prior to the start of the winter and they stay the whole time. And Geralt cozies right up to Frangilla Vigo, who was also staying there at the time. So this is actually a good time to segue into that dream. There were two separate dreams that Conwermers had. But this one's pretty brief. We basically just witnessed Geralt and Fringilla during a rather intimate moment. And Fringilla, she's kind of nagging Geralt and he's being very sarcastic and he's not taking anything she says seriously. It reminded me a little bit of his relationship with Yennefer. And it might not actually be that way. It's hard to discern at this moment since we see such a small glimpse. But that was my first impression at least. And that's pretty much it. That, that's like the only thing we get to see about Geralt. But speaking of Yennefer, let's move on to the updates from her side of the story that we get from Conwermer's dream. Well, she's been a prisoner in Vilgefortz's castle for at least four months now. For about two months, she was kept in a gross dungeon, but was eventually moved to a chamber that was nicer than the dungeon, but still made for poor living conditions. And we begin the scene with her eating dinner with Vilgefortz and his new guests, who are Boneheart and Skellen. And Skellen's got a really bad cold, I guess, after what happened on the lake with Ciri. I'm not sure how these two learned how to, how to find Vilgefortz. Like people with a lot of connections and really great resources are actively trying to find Vilgefortz and they can't find him, but these two were able to. I'm thinking maybe it was discussed on Ryan's Xenogloss before Ryan's died and the Xenogloss disappeared beneath the frozen lake. But either way, they're present, which shows that they're still teaming up with Vilgefortz even after what happened on the lake. And we don't know what their future plans are. It, 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 it's going to involve something bad. It's going to involve Siri. We don't know what it is exactly, though, but I'm curious to find out. So Vilgefortz lies to Yennefer and he tells her that Siri and Geralt are dead. And she doesn't believe him. 
And uh, the conversation that they have at this dinner doesn't really seem too productive for anyone. He does manage to get some anger out of Yennefer, but she dismisses his words pretty quickly, and then she excuses herself from the dinner and heads back to her chamber. Not long after she gets back, somebody pays her a visit. That somebody is none other than Leo Bonehart. He tells her about how he captured Ciri and Ebbing in September, and that he had her fight in the arena, but she got away from him. So Yennefer is now aware of Ciri's semi-recent location, not that it probably matters much at this point. I can't imagine how it would, but I, th I thought it was kind of interesting that she got an update on Ciri since Ciri um, disappeared on Thaned, uh, because she and Geralt haven't really known anything this whole time. Well, he also tells her how he wishes he could have been the one to have killed Geralt since he either believes Geralt really is dead or he's going along with Vilgefortz's lie. And she expresses how incorrect she thinks he is to believe that. Then he shows her three witcher medallions to exemplify that he's killed three witchers. Nian tells him, <laughs> she tells him that he either purchased those at fairs or killed the witchers when they weren't paying attention or with poison. And this has him angered. She really angered him with her words. And then he tries to attack her and force himself on her. It's pretty disturbing, but she manages to defend herself with a fork she took from dinner and with the sharp sides of the diamond iridium bracelets that Vilgefortz has her wearing. If you don't remember, because it's not mentioned that often, I think the last time it was talked about was chapter four of the time of contempt uh dimeridium if you put that on a sorcerer like a dimeridium bracelet on a sorcerer on a mage they can't perform magic so yeah she uses the sides the sharp sides to cut him a little bit so the guards come in when they hear all this commotion and boneheart demands that they hold yen down so he can force himself on her and then they refuse they refuse to do it since it's not included in their duties and because they don't want to end up like Ryan's or Shiru since those two crossed Geralt and Ciri and now they're dead. That's pretty much it. That pretty much concludes the updates on Yennefer. She's still in a bad situation, but she wants to escape. Even after months of suffering, she still wants to get out of there. So hopefully she finds a way to do that, but it doesn't seem that likely. She's got no way of using magic. She doesn't know where the hell she is. Vilgefortz, we know he's very powerful. I don't think he's just going to let her escape. He's told her as much in this chapter, so it's not looking good for her. But I do admire her persistence and her still believing that there's a way to get out of there because she's been going through it really bad. Like A lot of the characters we love suffered a lot. We've seen it it's been horrible with Siri. Geralt has suffered a lot of bad things, although I guess he's having kind of a good time right now with Fringilla, but he's been through it. He's still got that horrible injury in his leg from Vilgefortz. But Yennefer's just been tortured a lot, and she's living in this, she was living in this disgusting little dungeon, moved to something a little bit better, but still terrible. Her hands and her fingers are all messed up, barely healed. She had a hard time at dinner. It's really, it's, it's hard to read. Like, and I, I feel um, a lot of admiration for these characters. Ciri especially, because she's so young and she's endured everything. And then Yennefer, I mean, she's older. She says, and, uh, what, chapter 9 or 10? 
in the Tower of Swallows that she's 94 years old and she's a mage. You know, she, she can handle things a little bit better, I guess, but still she's enduring a lot here and she still wants to escape. So I think that's pretty cool. Okay, well, I have one one more little thing that I want to talk about before we go into the conclusion of this episode. Um, there's this one piece, this one last little note, and I'm adding it at the end of this episode because I couldn't find a better place to enter it in the discussion. I tried to, I may not always be really good at this, but I tried to transition from topic to topic in like a smooth way couldn't fit this in here in that kind of way, so I just threw it in at the end. But there's a mention in this chapter of elves leaving the world, just exiting this world. Well, this is how it's said. When referring to the fact that there are no authentic paintings of Francesca Findebear left, Nimue says to Conwermers that when the door opened and elves departed, they took with them every work of art. And the word door, the D, is capitalized when the door opened and the elves departed. So sometime since we left off with our main characters and the time this takes place, the elves found a way to travel to another world and they left this one. It's not really surprising considering how terribly they're treated here and how unhappy most of them are living among humans. But it's fascinating, nonetheless, that they were eventually able to travel to another world like Siri. So maybe Siri had something to do with making this possible. But that's as much as it is elaborated on. She just kind of casually says, oh, when, when the door was open and the elves departed. It's kind of cool. Okay, closing thoughts. Very meta chapter. We got a little bit of a meta chapter or meta, meta section of a chapter back at that one that I mentioned in uh, the end of Baptism of Fire, but this one's just really, we're really thrown into it. The story that we've known is being talked about from the perspective of other people that are interested in the story, like how we are, but uh, they live in the world where these people lived, unlike us. So it's it's interesting. It's very interesting. It really, it threw me off so much when I read these books the first time. Like, I was not expecting that at all. It, I kind of like it. I don't know. I, I kind of like it, and it, it feels weird. You feel kind of taken out of the story. I mean, I guess you have to, based on how it's written. But I think he does it well. I think he wrote this out in a way that makes you still drawn in to what's going on but it's a yeah it's it's an interesting choice <laughs> and something else that's interesting is that siri in like this you know in, in history became so legendary and i guess that it, it's maybe not that wild i guess the events were a big deal like the events of the main story. And she was a princess, so she was well-known, and the tales of Geralt's exploits were always told from Dandelion's writing, so he was pretty well-known, plus Yen's been referred to as famous at least a few times. I guess it's just not that far-fetched for it to become a famous story, but I don't know, it's kind of cool. And looking ahead, 
It looks like we'll be seeing Conwermers and Nimue again in future chapters. It's, it's not like a guarantee, but the way it was left off was kind of inconclusive with those two. So I think that we can expect to see them again and possibly see how much they uncover and what really happened to Siri. So I don't know if this is going to be the rest of the book where we're told the story from Conwermer's dreams or if we're just going to casually occasionally revisit them but I think we are going to see them again and hopefully however the story is told throughout the rest of the book we get some updates soon on what happened with Siri in the elf world since we just keep hearing little things little glimpses into what happened with her there but not enough not enough details to be able to really know what happened so I want that story told soon, and hopefully Yennefer finds a way to escape. Hopefully. We'll have to see, though. Okay, that's all I have for you. So just to let you know, in case you didn't, these episodes are available on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for joining, and I'll catch you all in the next episode.